welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twists. As now I can say that correctly. Or we could just say Double Twist instead of Double Twists. But I suppose that works just fine. Sorry, I was away last week. No, I'm, I didn't die. I'm still alive. I didn't retire. I didn't get too sick of it, even though it was a very depressing football game. And no, I'm not going to bring it up all that much. I'll bring up little nuances here and there. I'm not going to backtrack and have a double show. So sorry about that. <laughs> For those of you that might want that, yeah, the Vikings lost to the New Orleans Saints. And the Rams aren't doing so well against them right now either. Yeah, that's an understatement. Oh, boy. At the time I'm recording segment number one here, halftime, 35-17. <laughs> Gosh, that's pretty crazy. Um, well, at least it's in New Orleans, I suppose. Mm, I did not like last week's game at all, but then again, it looked pretty good until things changed also dramatically. The fumble by Adam Thielen, and that's kind of been the theme of the Minnesota Vikings this season. But at least no craziness took over and ruined the game today. The Minnesota Vikings won the game 24-9 to over the struggling Detroit Lions. <laughs> Matt Patricia looks more like a lumberjack, or I'm not sure what else he might look like, but he looks like somebody that probably isn't too happy to be the uh, coach of the Detroit Lions right now, or maybe maybe more or less they're the ones not happy to have him as the coach, the players per se. The general manager did the hiring, and I don't know, um, we were questioning it at the time, because, well, how many yards did the Patriots give up in the Super Bowl, like more than any other team in NFL history? So you hired the defensive coordinator of the team that gave up more yards than any team in NFL history? The backup quarterback was the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way. But then again, look at the Vikings' defense against the Eagles <laughs> in a couple weeks earlier. Yeah, look at me taking side shots again. But the Minnesota Vikings' defense looked nothing like they did against the New Orleans Saints of 2017 in the uh, division championship game second half, or against the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC title game, or the first few weeks of this year. They look like the super-duper Minnesota Vikings defense once again. In fact, maybe better than they ever have looked in a lot of ways because the Minnesota Vikings set a team record today, 10 bleeping sacks. And that's why the title of this episode is pretty obvious and pretty telling. It is Sack City because that's what the Minnesota Vikings did today. It was Sack City. It's a sack of potatoes or whatever you want to say. One way or another, the Detroit Lions are now 3-5. and five. They traded away Golden Tate this past week which kind of had a lot of us questioning what the hell is going on. Green Bay, he had the uh, weird situation of Ty Montgomery kind of basically going rogue, and he got traded away as well. And HaHa ha Clinton Dix traded away, which had a lot of people wondering, what's up with that? Is Detroit tanking? Is Green Bay tanking? I don't know, but Green Bay does have a nice future in their secondary, but HaHa ha Clinton Dix? Gosh, didn't he get drafted the same year Teddy Bridgewater was drafted? I remember me and uh, Sebastian talking about those guys Teddy Bridgewater and HaHa Clinton Dix leading into the NFL draft of 2014. So that's not that long ago. Um, kind of a weird trade, but uh, go Washington Redskins, I guess. Of course, they didn't do so well today either. Nice game for Minnesota. Delvin Cook is back. You got to say, you got to hear Paul Allen say he's loose, and he was loose. Other than that, the running game not too spectacular today, but good enough. You got to see the Vikings run the ball around a bit. Please forgive some of the background noise, but it is what it is. Kind of, it's just that type of situation. Uh, Detroit didn't get to run the ball a whole lot because they were down pretty early and pretty often. In fact, they never the game was never tied, ever. So, 
good on us at the end of the day. Ended up kind of dragging that second half, sec or the first half got kind of boring. The third period was very boring, the third quarter per se. Very boring, very frustrating. You got to see the mental gaps of uh, Kirk Cousins take center, center court again or <laughs> center field once again. Unbelievable. Um, I don't know. The guy's talent is unmistakable. But then, well, some of the guys on the postgame shows, Phil Mackey brought up a really good <laughs> a really good theme as to what happens with Kirk Cousins. Like, he's this really good computer, but then once every hour or so, boom, there's a blue screen of death. And then it restarts, and it's back to being a really good computer again. I guess we can call him old blue screen, at least for now, until he can come up with something better. But uh, Kirk Cousins is a wonderful quarterback, but then he has these weird moments. Uh, he threw a very terrible interception like he did against Arizona, where you're just like, what was he throwing to? And then he had moments like the... <laughs> like the basically every other week it seems like there's a shovel pass or is it every week a shovel pass that you don't know what's going on here you had the you had multiple ones to rock thomas you had one to galvin cook today again who is alive and well thankfully you have moments that don't make a whole lot of sense uh, but that one you can also come back to the offensive coordinator john Filippo. He's creative, he's entertaining, and then he starts to get cued at the worst times. And what the hell is up with this? This weird shovel pass crap out of the middle of nowhere. What does it accomplish? Is it that tricky? Is it that deceptive that, oh my God, the defense is just going to be completely caught off guard and, and it's going to be too late for them. They're going to be a step late and, and off goes Delvin Cook to the races. Yeah, well, it didn't really turn out that way all that often. Some of the times outside of that 70-yard gain, you heard this. No, okay, it wasn't that bad, but the run protection wasn't that great either. And what do you expect? Uh, nice to see Riley Reef back. Holy cow. Uh, of course, Pat Elfline's one of the better run blockers out there. And, well, looks like Brian O'Neill's a full-time left tackle now. So that's great. Uh, Rashad Hill is a reserve, and that's probably the right role for him. God bless him. He's more than capable of starting when needed. But it's better that he starts when needed rather than starts all the time and gets, like, all the snaps because of, well, necessity and there's nothing else you can do. Brian O'Neill has become a decent right tackle. He's still developing, but I guess sometimes it's better to learn and get better while you're out there, as long as you're not getting completely obliterated like poor TJ Clemmings. We all know what that was, but that was a worse situation because you had no left tackle. You had no left tackle. You had Matt Khalil basically being what he is. Always hurt and, well, underachieving from the get-go, basically. Oh, boy. Mm. The days of Corey Springer, boy, we miss him, obviously. But that's the last time we had a legitimate uh, left tackle that was healthy and all that, but also just fantastic. Um, until Riley Reef now, who's been pretty good, generally speaking. But he's been hurt pretty much since the Buffalo week, at least. Boy, he had a rough time, had a rough go that one. Uh, let's move forward, though. Let's talk about the defense. Let's get off the offense. One final thing, though, I guess I might as well say, uh, Adam Thielen, it's been an unbelievable ride. The uh, Unfortunately, the streak of 100-yard games comes to a close. He opens the season. An all-time NFL record in terms of opening the season. Just obliterated it because he was, well, he was tied when he had six. He winds up with eight. So that record is going to be very hard to beat. The other one, well, only one other guy had it, and he was a Detroit Lion named Kelvin Johnson, number 81, Mr. Megatron himself. We have Mega Quan on our team, and he had an okay game. He didn't really get a moment where he got real frustrated like last week. Dropped an easy, easy one on fourth down. Very catchable pass. 
drove us all crazy. But uh, Adam Thielen today, only 22 yards. The streak comes to an end, so he will share the all-time NFL record of consecutive games. Not just games to open an NFL season, but consecutive games, and not just in the Super Bowl era, but in the history of the National Football League. Only two players have ever done it. Eight straight games with 100-plus yards. So Adam Thielen, we recognize you. We appreciate it. And wow, (laughs) uh, let's just sit back and enjoy for a moment here. Thank you again, Adam Thielen, for uh, giving us a memory that we will never soon forget. That's for damn sure. Uh, Kelvin Johnson, 2012, and all that. Uh, that's that was when it happened. It seems like yesterday, but well, Adam Thielen now rules with him. Detroit Lions. Well, they honored Kelvin Johnson nicely today by focusing on him all a little bit too much. Help things a bit. Now let's talk about the Vikings defense. Now that I'm almost nine minutes, uh, yeah, I'm over nine minutes into the show. <laughs> Ten sacks, folks. Ten. Daniil Hunter pressured nonstop. Lots of things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Daniil Johnson, uh, Daniil Johnson, Daniil Hunter was there the entire game. See, now I'm looking at Tom Johnson, but Daniil Hunter, Tom Johnson had his number changed because he left the team and was brought back and all that. But uh, Daniil Hunter, an amazing day today, three and a half sacks. He recorded the 10th sack, which was, again, was a team record. Wrapping up the game today, basically kind of finishing things off. 3.5 sacks in the game, putting him at 11.5. Only halfway through the year is, of course, we head into bye week before we start talking about the Bears and other teams and all that good stuff. <laughs> but uh, 11 and a half sacks, he's on course for uh, 23. Wow, that's pretty freaking amazing. An unbelievable season for Daniel Hunter. Uh, I'd say he's the first half MVP at this point, if you want to have one. Uh, other than Adam Thielen, it's Adam Thielen and Daniel Hunter both deserve it, I'd have to say, to be quite honest. Um, even though, actually, I guess it's more than half into the year. This is the ninth game, just to drive myself crazy and others. But an amazing start to the year for Daniel Hunter and Adam Thielen. Xavier Rhodes also returned, and he was very strong when needed today. Uh, Sheldon Richardson was very fun to watch, multiple hurries, and he was a big part of things. George Iloka has been a big factor. Didn't show up too much in the stats, didn't have any spectacular numbers, but again, his defense and his uh, availability out there, very valuable. Harrison Smith is what he is. Uh, Tom Johnson had a huge, huge day today. He had a lot of fun sharing a sack with Sheldon Richardson. Closed the day with 2.5. The veteran Tom Johnson of the Vikings got back for virtually nothing. Well, literally for nothing because Seattle just let him go when he was clearly a valuable piece out there. Uh, Seattle didn't think anybody would want him, which was weird. Vikings scooped him up just like that. And, man, I'm thrilled to have Tom Johnson back in purple again. He was... uh, Extremely valuable throughout the day today. Everson Griffin, who returned last week against the New Orleans Saints, he didn't have the greatest game last week, and what do you expect in a game like that, in a situation like that? Coming back out of nowhere, basically, five, uh, just three days, and oh, back, get back out there, let's go. You know, so And obviously he wanted to get back out there. There is no better distraction from your everyday life than, well, getting out and playing again. I'm sure that's helpful for him, in a sense, though everybody's different for whatever reason. One and a half sacks today, and he was, uh, again, a lot of other stuff that doesn't necessarily show up in the immediate stat sheet. Everson Griffin, huge part of the pass rush once again today, and the Vikings uh, defensive line looking truly like the Pro Bowl people eaters right now, and maybe even better, because the Pro Bowl people eaters never had 10 sacks in a game. That is an amazing thought right there. Linval Joseph, Sheldon Richardson, Xavier Rhodes, Daniel Hunter, spectacular overall day, and then again, Tom Johnson being a part of things oh so much as well. Just uh, incredible. That's a fifth guy right there, obviously, because you hear Linval Joseph and 
Sheldon Richardson usually lining the middle, and then Hunter and Griffin on the ends. But then again, Tom Johnson. I mean, just the rotations and the talent, and just it's so spectacular to have Tom Johnson playing a little three technique out there. Him and uh, Sheldon Richardson played together. Linval Joseph also returning from injury as well as he was missing uh, last week as well. So um, that was a huge problem. But nice to have him back on board once again today. Limited in action. That's, again, probably why Tom Johnson had such a big day. But still, nice. All of them huge factors throughout the day today. Um, you see McKenzie Alexander coming in on those blitz on occasion, and he had another one today. Another sack for McKenzie Alexander. Teams not being able to pick up the blitz from uh, McKenzie Alexander at times, and he showed his value in multiple occasions. And Not a bad day for McKenzie either. Stephen Weatherly, really, really valuable. His stats don't show it. He only had one sack, and it felt like he was a huge factor the entire day today. Also, for some tackles for loss to the running backs. Stephen Weatherly, just... Um, this defensive line is best in football when healthy, and when they're even they're, when they're even halfway on their game, they're just a spectacular, spectacular unit. The defensive line is the most valuable part of the Minnesota Vikings, and you know what? It's just there's just no doubt about it. I mean, when they're on their game, they're the best. They are the best, the best. I mean, nobody can hold a candle to this defensive line when they're on their game. Uh, it's a Super Bowl level team when this defensive line is on their game because there's nothing the other team can do. You can't run, and you can't really pass when you're on your back. So it just kind of is what it is, um, despite the fact you're losing certain players. But now, again, I mean, to get uh, <laughs> to get the ever-MVP-like value of Xavier Rhodes back and to have him be a factor again, just like that, what it looked like, it could have been a broken ankle, a badly sprained ankle, whatever it was. At first, you're fearing it's an ACL when he couldn't even put pressure on his leg at all. I mean, that was horrifying to see Xavier Rhodes out there after just missing one week. That is a wonderful feeling. And of course, we all know how Xavier Rhodes is a little bit of a drama queen when it comes to getting banged up out there. So that was the hope that he was being a little drama queen-like. And uh, thank God, hopefully that might have been the case because he looks healthy and ready to go again. Though I'm sure it doesn't feel like 100% if you're uh, him right now. Holden Hill's value is still... He, he held his own last week for the most part. And to be quite honest, the Vikings defense was downright spectacular against the New Orleans Saints last week. It was just the doggone Mickey frickin' mistakes that cost the Vikings. And then the fact that the Vikings offense literally just peed down their leg after they made a couple of mistakes, they literally stopped playing. And yeah, when you're hearing <laughs> when you're hearing Cameron Jordan say basically that the, he could tell that the Vikings literally had turned it off after those mistakes that basically, you know, that they were basically shell-shocked and they weren't the same team, that's very telling. And it's extremely shocking to hear that from the opposing, you know, superstar defensive end. Of course, the son of uh, Steve Jordan and all that, former Viking tight end, uh, great. But when you hear quotes like that, it's extremely frustrating. Um, today, the Vikings defense showed up to play even better, and this team clearly not as good as the New Orleans Saints. Is, boy, I mean, the New Orleans Saints are making the Rams look like mincemeat until just recently. I guess the Rams finally scored again. Good on them, I guess. <clears throat> but um, this Vikings defense has really, really come on of late, and it's nice to see. It's not too late this time. <laughs> it's not like 2016, thankfully. Let's hope and pray to God it doesn't head that way again, but uh, at least you have a somewhat healthy offensive line. We're still missing Nick Easton. Uh, Tom Compton's still not available today, and that's just kind of is what it is. But at least Isadora is getting some time out there and some more experience, and he continues to develop. A lot of people did see him as a possible starter at some point in time in the future. The Rams are now knocking on the door. They're within 11, so good for them. They have a chance.
As for that, though, uh, an overall beautiful game defensively for the Minnesota Vikings. You just cannot say enough. Uh, Dan Bailey made all of his extra points. He missed one last week. That was kind of weird, but, well, it ended up being a much crazier game than we hoped for. Bailey made his 139-yarder. Matt Prater, who could make him from 60 yards away, only had to make his longest attempt today was 37 yards, and he made all three. Big surprise. So, well, it kind of is what it is. Uh, both of the number fives made their kicks today. Prater a little bit better because of the field goals or all the Detroit Lions were able to muster today. Uh, no Stefan Diggs either, and Chad Beebe represented. Nothing spectacular, but he had a couple of big plays, including that nice 13-yarder, which led ultimately to the opening touchdown in the game. Was fumbled away by Latavius Murray and recovered by Kyle Rudolph, which is kind of funny and goofy at the same time. So it's like, who do you give the touchdown to? I guess Kyle Rudolph rushing... I guess, kind of, just a wild situation, but luckily Kyle Rudolph's value today was huge, including his nice little calm uh, grab of the ball in midair, the bouncing ball situation with the whole squid kick, when the Lions still had a slight glimmer of hope. Kyle Rudolph had a nice overall game today, that's for sure. Again, uh, Adam Thielen targeted more by the Lions defense than targeted by uh, Kirk Cousins today. He was targeted seven times, but again, only 22 yards. And, of course, rest in peace to an unbelievable run by Adam Thielen. Maybe he'll start up another one here pretty quick. Uh, Aldrich Robinson had a drop that was about a 40-yard gain, which would have busted the game wide open. It would have been spectacular in that third quarter. Ultimately, the Vikings end up punting on that play. And, again, Kirk Cousins still having some weird moments that you don't understand. And also some kind of underachieving moments for overall for this Vikings offense. Plays just not developing. And then, of course, uh, Latavius Murray, the blocking just not being there. On occasion for uh, the same thing for uh, Delvin Cook. The block, the blocks just weren't there on some plays, but they were on others. Latavius Murray winds up with 31 yards. And no, that touchdown did count for him, but poof, it almost, uh, almost cost him, <laughs> thankfully. <sighs> Spectacular 70-yard scamper, though, from Delvin Cook. And a couple of solid receptions that didn't lead to a whole lot, but at least he's a nice nookie blankie, per se. That's a comfort pass, we'll say. A check down for uh, (laughs) Kirk Cousins at moments of need. And occasionally the guy will break a tackle. Most importantly, though, regarding Delvin Cook is, well, starting off the season, he was kind of gimpy still because, obviously, you're recovering from an ACL injury that was taking a while to heal from. And understandably, because... It's a major, major injury that takes a long time to recover and kind of get your confidence back and all that, your footing and all that. But then you just, you know, you never really got this feeling like he was the same guy. And then the hamstring injury came around and then he came back from it. And then he was on a pitch count, as they call it, or a rush count, if you want to be in more layman's terms. And it didn't go so well against the Rams, and he didn't come back, and then he was out forever after that. But then this time, he looks like the Delvin Cook of 2017. He actually kind of does. The run blocking could be better, and of course, Easton being around would be nice, but he's not. So that's just kind of part of the part of the territory. The blocking was spectacular on that one run, though. I mean, they parted the Red Sea, Delvin Cook took advantage of it, and he went off to the races. I know everybody's scared to death. Oh, boy, he's going to pull that hamstring again and maybe worse. But no, that didn't happen. Delvin Cook actually looks like a healthy and ready-to-go running back. That might be why it took so long, because this time we're not messing around. We want him to be literally 100% this time around, because it's no joke. When Delvin Cook is healthy and ready to go, he has super uh, superstar potential, uh, like very few running backs in this league, and you got to see it again. You got to see it for the first time since 2017, and he was able to burn the team 
in which his injury took place last year. So he overcame the curse this time around. Uh, he wasn't the same week, and it wasn't on the same spot on the field. That was a very creepy uh, thought process. Uh, that was a very interesting find by uh, Tony Coleman last week, South Dakota's finest there. Whew, where Vikings' first-round picks uh, had ACL tears in the exact same spot and the exact same week, the exact same spot on the field. I mean, the exact same spot. Same yard, same section, like down to a square foot or two. Incredible. Creepy. Um, strange. But um, we'll just leave that alone. Uh, Delvin Cook, this time around, able to overcome the, uh, the curse of the Lions, we'll say. And at least he was able to get 89 yards thanks to the 70-yard scamper. So nice to see a healthy Delvin Cook. And now you got the bye week. Adam Thielen has been a bit gimpy as well. Unfortunately, I believe he's, he, he has a little bit of a hamstring issue going on right now. And that didn't help his cause today. And, of course, Stefan Diggs with the rib situation. He's trying to recover. And Tom Compton as well. So the bye week, ever so valuable for guys to get a little bit healthier. And, of course, I'm sure wouldn't be surprised if... Xavier Rhodes might still be a little bit gimpy on his ankle, even though he didn't look like it today, and other guys as well. So every NFL player loves the bye week for so many reasons, and of course injuries and nagging injuries and bumps and bruises that are there that we never see underneath those jerseys that need a little bit of healing, and that's why the bye week exists, because without it, these players would be in big trouble. So uh, it's obviously a very deadly game out there, so a little bit of healing time is more than welcome. Overall, an unbelievable game defensively for the Minnesota Vikings, and it was a pleasure to watch, even though it wasn't the most interesting game per se, but when you see a defense play that well and that dominant, it was pretty fun. Fran Torkington award today should be fairly obvious. It's going to go to Daniil Hunter. Absolutely. Um, even though you could kind of give like an honorable mention to Delvin Cook, but no, it's, it's Daniil Hunter. He's the reason why the Minnesota Vikings won today in a lot of, re- in a, in a lot of ways, even though... The whole defensive line was just spectacular. Tom Johnson could get like an honorary mention for it without a doubt. Kirk Cousins, to me, I think he's getting, him and uh, John Filippo a little bit are getting the uh, Christian Fonner Memorial. Come on, I'm getting tired of these weird gaffes, these weird play calls too that are unnecessary, unnecessary play calls. They're just, they're just strange and they're dangerous. Heck, maybe Delvin Cook could have got hurt on a play like that, having to reach for the ball as guys are coming to him. Who knows? Maybe he gets one wrong step and bada bing, bada boom. It's we'll we'll see you next next uh, next next August again. That's the last thing we need around here. <sighs> and of course, just you know the weird weird blue screen of deaths that pop up for Kirk Cousins, where his mind just blue screens, and it doesn't make sense. So Christian Ponder Memorial has to go to Kirk Cousins, despite not a bad day. But certainly not something you're hoping for against a team that Vikings, I think, could do a little better against. Um, so that's my complaint, I guess, for today's game. But 24-9, we'll definitely take it. And it was the best home game for the Minnesota Vikings this year, without a doubt. With that, we'll take a quick break and come back and get into the NF- NFC North roundup. Look at the other NFL games, especially the one flashing on the screen right now. Uh, Green Bay and the New England Patriots. That'll probably be flashing on the screen late as the show progresses. <laughs> Green Bay, the New England Patriots, and of course the Bears kind of, well, didn't have too tough of a time today, did they?
And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to look around the NFL a bit, and of course, most importantly, the NFC North. And then ultimately, it's Bears Week. So it's definitely an NFC North type of a week because, of course, we played the Detroit Lions, and the Bears did what they did today, and that's the Vikings' next opponent in two weeks and all that. We'll see what happens in between now and then, though, who those teams are playing. Packers will play the Seahawks in two weeks. Let's look around. Bears and Lions will play each other. Okay, so, and of course, Green Bay at this moment right now is playing the New England Patriots. And the following week, they'll play the Dolphins in Lambeau. Oh, goody. That's a that's a real tough one. But then again, the Dolphins have been better this year. They're 5-4, and four, so, yeah, okay. Bears and Lions, that's a nooner <clears throat> on Fox next week on November 11th, Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to everybody, by the way, uh, coming in. Well, Veterans Day going into next week, but we'll talk about it now because, of course, next week there will be no Purple Mafia show with no Minnesota Vikings game. So to honor the many, many soldiers that gave their lives for this country, or at least at the very least uh, fought for this country and survived some of the many, many wars, obviously uh, going all the way back to Washington and the others along the way, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the wow, World War One, of course. Many Minnesotans were involved in the Civil War. Many Minnesotans were involved in World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Iraq. I mean, Iraq again, Afghanistan. So many wars that have taken place over the years that helped, uh, well, keep this place free. And others, I just want to say uh, thank you very much to all of you over the many, many generations, 200 plus years at this point, 242 years in 1776 when uh, the United States declared independence from England. So again, to honor all of you involved over the many, many years, almost 250 years now, I will give you a moment of silence. God bless and thank you. To all the veterans out there, and I know some veterans are listening. I know Mark Carlson is a veteran of Iraq number one, I do believe. And his son, also Anthony Carlson, was in Iraq in the second uh, campaign, I believe, or was it Afghanistan? I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Um, Mark's father might have even been involved in uh, Vietnam or something, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure exactly. So maybe let me know if you can. So just out of curiosity... So, let's look around the league, and I do like all the uh, military-looking, uh, uh, you know, uh, warm-ups and such that a lot of the coaches are wearing today, which is pretty cool, and I'm sure they'll be continuing that in the next because it will officially be Veterans Day. But again, I had to get to it now because we won't be playing next week and there will be no show. Wouldn't be surprised if I'm working outside next week. Again, New England is hosting the Green Bay Packers at this moment. They're wearing the uh, uniforms that the Patriots wore in the Super Bowl years ago when Green Bay and New England played each other, and uh, New England did not win that game. Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback. Brady was still a young guy <clears throat> going to Michigan at that point. So, interesting look. You see those red stripes on the top, and the uniforms are a little bit uh, slightly, like a half shade lighter blue. They're still kind of a dark navy-ish blue, but not as dark. So back, going back to the days of Curtis Martin and Drew Bledsoe and many other talented players that were on that Patriots team. And, of course, Brett Favre and co. on the other side, Reggie White and others. God rest his soul uh, along the way there. So interesting. I'm expecting the Patriots to win the game. Tennessee and Dallas. Dallas Cowboys host the Tennessee Titans on Monday night football, as I like to call it. Both teams 3-4, and four, not looking so hot this year. 
We'll see what happens there. I'm surprised at Tennessee. I thought they were better, but they were, and then things not so great. Well, the battle at the Bay, and boy, mm, let's start with the battle in the Bay. San Francisco 49ers, or wherever they play now, close to San Jose, Santa Monica, I do believe. 34-3, to 34-3. Uh, this is San Francisco as in no Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, Garoppolo's not available, and somebody named Mullins? Yeah, Nick Mullins uh, threw for three touchdowns and had a near perfect quarterback rating today. Um, one point, I mean 151.9, no interceptions, um, 72%, 73% completion percentage, only attempted 22 passes and just lit up this uh, pretty awful Oakland team. A.J. McCarron was a guy that was sought after by a couple of teams in the past from Cincinnati. Cleveland tried to get him. He got to play a couple snaps in the game when the thing was as ugly as it was. Derek Carr is just a shell of himself ever since that broken ankle, and now a guy by the name of John Gruden, who's also a shell of himself. Remember how remember how it was like, when is he going to coach again? Oh, boy, he's, he is the hot commodity out there. And then it just kind of, time just kind of went by and went by and went by, and he never came back, and he's enjoying himself too much in the booth and this and that. And he comes back to the team that he started with as a head coach, not to the original team, which would have been the Green Bay Packers, believe it or not. Kind of, that would have been really interesting if he actually went to coach the Packers, say, if things uh, continue to go sideways with uh, Mike McCarthy there, which a lot of people believe is heading that way. But uh, John Gruden, 1-7, and seven, and they're already talking about, like, the team has quit on him. Let's not forget the guy signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. I mean, I've never heard of that before, and... I've never heard of a coach signing that kind of a contract before, and I don't know what this LA Raider, uh, Las Vegas Raiders slash Oakland Raiders team is going to do. I don't understand, but um, it's really ugly right now. Um, they do appear to have quit on him, Mr. Uh, Gruden there. Doug Martin, 49 yards on the ground, but who cares? I mean, they're down by a billion points. Uh, they're getting beat by guys named Raheem Mustard, who's not necessarily a bad player, but... I don't know. You don't really hear about him all that much. Alfred Morris is ancient history. I don't know, man. Um, Oakland is just, uh, boy, whoever lost to them this year, I'm, I'm not remembering who it was. Shame on you. That's kind of embarrassing. San Francisco. I think I'd rather have Nick Mullins as my quarterback than C.J. Beathard. Uh, Beathard hasn't done jack, basically, and a lot of people kind of like him for some reason, but uh, I'm not one of them. Let's just move on. I don't know. I had a little bit to say about that because I just cannot believe it. Get back to the Bears. Of course, that'll be the last one. Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns, some poor tackling again by the Cleveland Browns here in Kansas City just doing their thing. They're 8-1 and one and having fun. Yeah, I know. We've heard that rhyme a million times. But whenever there's a one, they might as well be having fun as long as you only have one loss and it's not just the tie that Cleveland has. 2-6-1 and one, and they're not having fun. Uh, they fired Hugh Jackson in my absence. Of course, again, I was absent last week, and I'm going to be super lazy and not do a show next week during the bye week because, why? Well, I, I don't know, I don't really do shows during the bye week. It's a bad idea. Again, I say this every year, but I learned the hard way way back in my first season. I mean, the numbers were like one-fifth at best of what they normally are. So, <clears throat> Patrick, Pat Mahomes, three touchdowns, quarterback rating 129, blah, 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 almost 400 yards passing, and it just was Kansas City and Cleveland second, that type of thing, if you get what I mean. That's kind of like Aussie talk. Kansas City and Cleveland, you know, it was Kansas City and, and daylight second, basically. There's just no competition in this one. 
Nick Chubb managed to get 85 yards on the ground, and that's about it for the Cleveland Browns. They are 2-6-1, but at least they've won two games, and they'll be looking for a new coach in the offseason. Miami Dolphins beat the Jets, and they're 5-4 and four on the year. How about the Miami Dolphins? Kind of just that quiet team that's just kind of hanging around despite, you know, they had some awful losses, and then they stepped up again, and they have all these players that have been all over the place, and it's interesting, but the Dolphins are able to get four interceptions. Darnold, just another icky game. Remember, he threw three against the Vikings a few weeks back. You have a guy who's got to be a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame in Frank Gore because he's fifth all-time. He's fifth all-time. The only guys ahead of him, again, the big four that I mention all the time, Curtis Martin, Emmett Smith. Oh, obviously, Emmett Smith is at the top, but yeah, Curtis Martin. Uh, Barry Sanders only because he retired early. Who, who knows where Barry Sanders' numbers might have been if he didn't quit at 29. <sighs> Walter Payton and Emmett Smith. I mean, that's it. That's all that's ahead of Frank Gore, which is the craziest thing ever. That's how consistent the guy's been. Um, I mean, Brock Osweiler, Danny Amendola, the former Patriot. Guy who wishes he was still on the Patriots, I'm sure. But Dolphins are hanging in there. Brock Osweiler he leads the Miami Dolphins to another win against a team in the Jets that are imploding before our eyes after they were. They were 3-3 three and three just a few weeks ago. And since then, the Vikings kind of got them... Uh, Kind of getting a reality. They got a reality check, and down they've gone. Uh, Washington Redskins had a massive reality check today, hosting the Atlanta Falcons in FedEx Field in Washington, D.C. there. Well, they were 5-2 and two and kind of rolling for that a NFC East title. It looked like they're, they're shooing for it because Philly's like 500, and Dallas is not that good, and the Giants are awful, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the Washington Redskins, you know, steady, hanging in there, steady as she goes. And then a team that I thought was going to win the NFC South, maybe, against the other team that's probably going to get to the Super Bowl this year. I think they might. They, they might. Yeah, they really might end up representing the NFC now. That's the Saints. We'll talk about them later. Falcons roll over Washington, 38-14. to Just a fun day for the Falcons. Washington, not, I mean, Washington's little win streak ends. Matt Ryan tore it up, 350 yards, four touchdowns, another four-touchdown game for Ryan, and this is just one finished the job here in a big way. Uh, lots of good running also for the Falcons. They averaged almost seven yards a gain on the ground today. I mean, unbelievable. Everybody averaged six yards and up. Uh, Coleman, Smith, Ito Smith, Tevin Coleman, 88 yards for Coleman, 64 Smith, just uh, rolling right through this Washington team. There's nothing they could do. I mean, Ryan was passing all over the field, though he did have an interception. That's what kept him from, like, a perfect game, basically. And, uh, again, Coleman and Smith just kind of having their way with this club. Almost 150 yards on the ground. And, again, about six and a half yards a carry, to be quite honest, in that statistic. But uh, they made it look too easy. Carolina-Tampa. Boy, Carolina put a huge lead up, and then Tampa almost tied it up for a little while there, and then Carolina pulled away. And Carolina is one of those quiet, they're like the quiet Miami Dolphins team of the NFC that no one's really talking about because, I don't know, they're not going to win anything. They just annoyed the bleep out of us last year, though, and they cost us home field advantage over Philadelphia, and I'm not bitter about that or anything, but um, yeah, also Nick Easton got hurt in that game. I'm still not bitter about that. Not at all. <clears throat> Can't imagine why I'd be bitter. Yeah, Carolina's 6-2, and two, though, and they ended up finishing the job after Tampa almost tied the sucker up. We'll talk about a team that did tie the sucker up, but still lost again, just like Carolina, or excuse me, just like Tampa did with uh, Carolina there. 
Nice effort by Tampa Bay. Nice comeback and all that, but it didn't end up finishing too well. Ryan Fitzpatrick, another four-touchdown game. The guy's had multiple this year, and wow. Cam Newton is just so average, isn't he? He's efficient, and on the right day, it's like good Cam and bad Cam, and it's like he's so average, but then he's not average. He's, he, he makes big plays, and then he makes stupid plays, and he didn't make a stupid play today, and that's why Carolina scored 42 points. Uh, he had a quarterback rating of 133. No interceptions. He was only sacked twice, unlike a uh, guy by the name of uh, Stafford who was sacked 10 times today, Viking, putting the Vikings in the NFL lead in sacks. We were way down in the middle. Now we're in the lead, pretty much. We'll see what happens all through the course of this week, how other teams uh, maintained their position. But uh, I don't think too many teams had 10 sacks today. In fact, I don't think any of them did. Uh, Carolina had three, and Tampa had two, blah, blah, blah. But uh, nice comeback by Tampa. Unfortunately, not meant to be. Let's just move on. Panthers are 6-2, and two, though. Sheesh. Uh, well, another black and blue bowl, or black and purple bowl, the Bruise Bowl. That's a good one, the Bruise Bowl. I like it because these two teams always have had good defenses, at least, well, back in 96, Baltimore's defense was awful. Their offense was spectacular. That was when, uh, what was his name, Testaverde was their quarterback and all that. Testaverde was a hell of a player back in the day, wasn't he? But uh, that's a long time ago. Pittsburgh hung on. They're the old team that's won that division a bajillion times and unfortunately Baltimore who started the season so well and now they're four and five what the heck happened to them Pittsburgh's winning the division again ah 23-16 in Baltimore just not a good day for the Baltimore Ravens just did not work out uh, teams like Lamar Jackson always gets in for a play or so a little trick play and he was able to complete a 12-yard pass how adorable uh, Flacco just meh no, no touchdown, no interception. Just, eh, you know, just not enough. Plain and simple. I mean, you're going to need more than 16 points to beat the Steelers. Their defense is solid. Sometimes they create turnovers. But most importantly, their offense can be absolutely uh, spectacular sometimes, as we know very, very well. Antonio Brown didn't have a huge day, but he caught what was what he he caught one of the crucial plays late in the game that helped the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers get the victory. So let's just continue to move forward. As I keep catching myself here, Houston Texans, they just keep winning games lately. Man, they are, they're on a roll. And there's nothing, there's, that's just all there is to say. Didn't they start the year like 1-3 and three or something? Or, or was it 0-3? Oh they, they were 0-3, oh weren't they? Like horrible, right? They've won six games in a row. 19-17. to 17. That was 101 years ago, by the way. And that was when World War One ended. But, um... Maybe that has nothing to do with anything, but uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, the Denver Broncos started the year halfway decent, and now they're three and six. They're not going anywhere. Case Keenum, I feel for you. Uh, I do, but it's kind of like, well, you're getting paid though. You're making a pretty penny over there, and a guy that continues to get better and better and better, recovering from that ACL injury. That is uh, <clears throat> Deshaun Watson. He's starting to look like the Deshaun Watson a little more that he was last year. Not the big, huge numbers, but good enough. And again, you got to remember who they're playing against. It's Denver's defense can be downright awesome still. Sometimes when they feel like it, Keenum was just average. He didn't he didn't hurt them. This was kind of like the Keenum that you saw against Atlanta here and there. He was okay. He didn't hurt them, but he didn't help enough in this one. Well, Keenum was actually pretty good against Atlanta, but I don't know the kind of the mediocre Keenum you saw in some of those games last year. Oh boy. Deshaun Watson, though, two touchdowns, 213 yards, but very efficient throughout the game. And Houston Texans are 6-3. Don't look now, but they're winning that 
little talk about little talked about NFC, uh, AFC South. Not many people think about them all so much. Kind of like the NFC East uh, this year. Uh, this year with Washington winning, they're that they're that team, Houston. That you know, maybe maybe they'll do a little something in the AFC. Maybe, but I'm beginning to think my AFC prediction is going to be dead on. Kansas City and uh, or not Kansas City, but San Diego and New England. But they, you know, Kansas City's the one. You know, Kansas City's the team that could beat San Diego. So maybe I should shut my mouth real quickly here. But uh, the Chargers look awesome. Some key interceptions down the stretch against Seattle, and luckily a pass was dropped. Seattle would have had to complete a two-point conversion. We wanted Seattle to lose today, and the Chargers six and two after a kind of a crappy start to the year. They're six and two now. Uh, it's not going to be like last year where the Chargers had these had this horrendous start when they moved to L.A. Los Angeles Chargers. I almost called them San Diego again. Horrendous start, and then they had to make this amazing comeback. They look like world beaters the rest of the year, and they just barely missed the playoffs. They're not going to be just barely missing the playoffs this year. Just the, but the problem is Kansas City's eight and one, San Diego. There it is. The Los Angeles Chargers are uh, well. They're still they still got an uphill climb to catch the Chiefs. They're going to have to do it head to head. I think they're not going to have they're going to be able to count on somebody else not going to have the Chiefs. They're going to have to do it themselves. Uh, good solid defense and overall great offense, all the above. Fairly entertaining football game, but uh, San Diego making some key stops. Here and there. I mean, getting any interceptions on Russell Wilson is a good thing because the guy's efficiency is spectacular most of the time. But uh, it wasn't at that moment. I mean, Phillip Rivers only completed 50% of his passes. Seattle's defense actually halfway decent. But still, 50% of his passes were completed, yet he still managed to get 106 quarterback rating, which really says a lot about that guy. Melvin Gordon, a Pro Bowl caliber running back, 113 yards on the ground. Good for him. Keenan Allen, spectacular like he is known to be at times. And Mike Williams, that's a guy that's a little, little known here and there. He kind of pops up and disappears. Regardless, the Chargers are 6-2, and two and, well, they look like that other really good uh, AFC team that not, not too many people are talking about. And, yep, there it is. This is the game of the week, other than, well, the one on right now, I guess. And, of course, well, the game that we need to talk about because it regards ne- uh, two weeks from now as opponent. Again, Bears and Lions play each other next week. That'll be fun. And Green Bay hosts the Miami Dolphins. The LA Rams are 8-1 and one now. They're 8-1. and one. They're having a great season. They're 8-1 though. Yep, see, they're 8-1. They're, they're on a huge winning... Sh- no, they're fine. They finally lost a game, actually, right? <laughs> You'd think, like, wow, 8-1. and one. They, they, They're just rolling. No, they actually finally lost. New Orleans is 7-1. and one. Yeah, there's only a couple teams with records like this. And, well, there's no more undefeated teams in the league. And, well... Being the last undefeated team doesn't mean as much as it used to. Remember when it meant a lot for the Vikings back in the day? You thought, oh, this this amount of teams that were the last undefeated team won the Super Bowl. Well, the Rams very well could go on to win the Super Bowl. Their defense is, well, adequate. They give up a good amount of points to teams like Minnesota and New Orleans. They sure do. But they score points, like, at will most of the time. (sighs) Well, this game, there was a point in this game where the score was... 35-14 35-14 to 14 in favor of New Orleans. Let that sink in, right? That was with, uh, that was about, that was right before halftime and the Los Angeles Rams were able to at least get a field goal in there. Greg Zerline was able to nail a 56-yarder to keep the Rams within semi-striking distance. I mean, 35-14. It's like New Orleans is just owning this club and things are just going all too well for the New Orleans Saints, blah, blah, blah. I mean, their defense is doing what they need to. Things not going so hot for the Rams. And then, you know, obviously Jared Goff had an interception in the game, but um, 
generally speaking, the Rams' offense more than capable of doing a lot more than what they're doing today. And then the Rams end up scoring the next... I mean, <laughs> it's just unbelievable what they were able to accomplish. They are able to score 19... No, 21 points. They are able to score three touchdowns in a row. An incredible comeback by the Los Angeles Rams. Three touchdowns in a row for the LA Rams in that third quarter. Well, third into the fourth quarter. Their defense held strong against New Orleans again after giving up 35 bleeping points in the first half. They came all the way back. You're like, okay, I mean, the Rams are probably going to go to 9-0 and now. And then you just saw Drew Brees basically like lick his chops a little bit, you know, and just kind of calm things down. And that's basically what happened. I mean, that was it. And the, and the Saints defense held strong enough. To think that the Rams, when they scored that touchdown to tie the game with about 10 minutes remaining, to think that the Rams wouldn't score another point and the Saints would go on to get the next 10 is uh, pretty impressive. Will Lutz, again, that guy is extremely clutch. They should just call him Will Clutch, I guess, even though you might not want to hear that very much around these parts, and I don't really either. 54-yarder, that ended up being the game winner with six and a half minutes remaining, even though you figured that's not the game winner because, well, the Rams are going to score again, right? And they just didn't. Uh, Drew Brees able to get the job done again. Very quick drive. Michael Thomas, obviously, was a big part of that. <laughs> obviously making the catch and poor tackling by the Rams, but a great play, great setup again. And there's just not a whole lot you can do about that. Once it happened, it's just that just took the air out of the building for the LA Rams. And luckily for the Saints, they were at home. And games like this show it a million times again, time and time again. If you're going to, you know, in the playoffs especially, if you're going to survive the NFC, you need home field advantage, which I think the Vikings are in big trouble. Um, luckily, the Vikings' road play is way better than their home play. Kirk Cousins continues to kind of stink in U.S. Bank Stadium. He, he was okay today, but he was nothing like he was against the Rams or the Packers on the road, was he? Or the Eagles, who was just downright spectacular. That's the one hope the Vikings have, is they can continue to have amazing efforts on the road and this time finish the job. That's the thing. But odds are, if you're going to get to the NFC title game, you're going to have to beat one of these teams on the road to even play the other one on the road. That's the thing. And you might even have to play Carolina in the first round or something. That might end up being the case. So it's kind of a scary thought to sit here and imagine what could happen uh, coming up for the Vikings in the uh, postseason. It's going to be a tough, tough competition, but New Orleans 7-1. and one, And, of course, they've already had their bye week, and apparently the Rams have not because it's week number 9, and they're 8-1. and one. So we'll see what happens here. Rams not the happiest uh happiest of, of teams at the moment so <laughs> at least at the moment but they'll get it going again I'm sure with all of that said let's get to the Chicago Bears now the Bears, the monster of the midway blah 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 the Bears fall down Chicago Bears I don't know if they're falling down because I I, I don't know uh these weren't all these mistakes that are easily correctable as Ponder would say um were not uh, all Peterman's fault they are easily correctable mistakes because batting a ball in the air isn't really helpful to your quarterback you look at Peterman and you see three interceptions. They were not all his fault. They weren't. The balls were batted up in the air, and it was just ridiculous, at least two of them. But regardless, it's just I don't think the Buffalo Bills feel a whole lot of confidence when they have Nathan Peterman as their quarterback. I would have liked to have seen the Bears go against Josh Allen in Buffalo, considering what happened to the Vikings in U.S. Bank Bleepin' Stadium. But, well, it just wasn't the case. This this probably should have been the score for the Vikings, or at least something along these lines, like 35-9, to 35-14, something like that. 
but no, it just wasn't what it was. It just wasn't the case, and we're all still, you know, we're all still paying for it at this moment. The Bears are five and three, and in sole possession, first place by a few percentage points. And that's kind of the case there. I'm dropping stuff. That's really good radio there. I apologize, but well, didn't didn't affect me that bad. Nathan Peterman rushed for 46 yards. He he almost beat Jordan Howard. That's great. Yeah, he's probably more valuable on the ground than throwing the ball. But Jordan Howard only 47 yards in the ground, and it just didn't even matter because all these mistakes were easily correctable for the Chicago Bears. They just kind of took care of business, basically, with the uh, field position slightly favoring Chicago because of all the turnovers and mistakes and such. Uh, pick six being batted up in the air and fumble recovery for 65 yards. It's just ridiculous. But that's how it goes. Uh, yeah, but it was a fumble six. So... Early on in the in the second quarter, after neither team scored in the first, which is really kind of funny. Second quarter, everything went Chicago's way. They were able to get a solid drive, and then Jordan Howard rushed the ball up the middle, blah, blah, blah. Then there was a fumble six that was recovered by Eddie Jackson, and a pick six by Leonard Floyd. Again, again that was a ball batted up in the air. Howard was able to rush in again, so fantasy ballers rejoice. Even though Howard didn't get many yards, he got in the end zone. And then just things just kind of went the way they did after that. Nathan Peterman was able to rush a ball in at one point, and then Trubisky ended up completing a pass to Trey Burton to make it 41-9, to and that's just kind of all she wrote. This is not the best kind of game for a sample size for this team, but we know what they're capable of. We know who's there. Mitchell Trubisky is a dangerous enough quarterback. Unfortunately, this game will be in Soldier Field, and Vikings history in Soldier Field hasn't been the best for quite a while, to be quite honest. Though last year the Vikings did manage to sweep the Bears, and the Vikings have won three consecutive games over the Bears, we will we will uh, cite the football database, footballdb.com, www.footballdb.com. Really nice to have this type of information. Minnesota leads the all-time series 60 the 52, and then two ties also in, in the uh, database over the years. Minnesota's played Chicago very well since 2014 with only one loss in 2016. That was that uh, game on Halloween night. Yep, remember when the Vikings spoiled every every holiday, regardless of what you think of Halloween. But eh, it's a holiday, I suppose. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, since 2014, the Vikings have only lost one game to the Bears, so that's good. I'm not sure how things are going to go this time around because this is an actual decent Bears team. Uh, the Vikings lost, last lost to the Bears again Halloween, and before that they lost on 11, uh, November 16, 2014 at Chicago. Remember the 2014 Vikings barely beat the uh, Bears in the season finale with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Yep, remember that? That was fun. And the Vikings finished 8-8, eight and eight and it felt kind of good, and it was kind of cool as they're heading into 2015 when things went very well. Minnesota... Actually won in Soldier Field that year as well on November the 1st. Man, that's pretty cool, actually. And then we crushed the Bears in the season finale. Man, I thought we... So the Vikings have actually played pretty well in Soldier Field of late. But again, the Halloween night, that was a pretty awful game. And the Bears were not good that year. And the Vikings were supposed to be this great team. And we started our losing streak after losing to Philadelphia. Then we go to Chicago and lose. Um, There was a stretch back in 2010... No, 2009. Yep, remember we lost that overtime game when Adrian Peterson fumbled and then Devin Aromashadu had like 150 yards in the game. Do you remember that? With Jay Cutler hurling the ball in the air and Aromashadu running all the way. Vikings had a massive losing streak against the Bears. We lost an OT in that game, 36-30. to 
That was an extremely frustrating game, which, again, officially cost the Vikings home field advantage in that game. Uh, the Vikings home, lost home field advantage. We would have had home field over the New Orleans Saints. So the Bears are a big part of that history. The Detroit game last year cost the Vikings home field advantage over the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Minnesota lost the next game in 2010 in Chicago by a score of 27-13. And then the next game was 40-14 to in 2010. Oh, that was an awful, awful season. Yep, that was in uh, TCF Bank Stadium where Brett Favre got his head smushed into the ground and that was it um, because that was a frozen ground. It was a very, very, very cold winter. <sighs> Boy, 39-10 to at Chicago in 2011 to get an awful Viking team. Uh, 2012, the Vikings were halfway decent and we lost at home to the Bears on the, on the first. Huh. What the hell? Hmm. On the first, the very first uh, day of the... Oh, that was the 20... That was the 2011 season. So what am I talking about? How Frazier even survived that year, I have no idea. Yeah, the Vikings had lost six games in a row from 2009 to 2012. Yeah, lost in Chicago, and then the Minnesota Vikings finally ended that horrible streak when they were heading towards the playoffs, the 10-6 record with Christian Ponder at quarterback. Then he lost again. Then we have the overtime win in Minnesota on the uh, New Year's Day 2013. Again, that was the 2012 season. No, this, is, this isn't right. Nope, that was New Year's Day 2014. Yeah, that's I don't know why they put it like that, but then the Vikings have a big win streak after that. So, interesting history. Let's actually talk about the actual players again. I'm sorry. I like to go into down memory lane. Again, the Bears were the last team that the Minnesota Vikings uh, had nine sacks against way back in 2009. So, again, more history. We'll talk about that on the Facebook page. Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback. Jim McMahon was the Vikings quarterback. Interesting day. Uh, young rookie Anthony Miller. Paul Allen liked him coming out of the draft, and a lot of us did as well. The guy's got a nice future in the league. He'll be a nice hookup for... Mr. Trubisky, and he's definitely a guy to worry about. Luckily, you have a healthy Xavier Rose, or at least I believe we do. Uh, Trey Waynes has just been wonderful. He took He's taken a nice step up. He took his first major step up last year, breakthrough year last year for Trey Waynes. And this year, he had a couple moments at the very beginning of the year, and now he's just, you know, just been lights out awesome. Uh, we, thank, we thank God for that. That's been a huge addition. Jordan Howard is the ever-consistent, ever-solid running back of the Chicago Bears the last two years. And again, further proof, you can take a pretty good running back in the later rounds of the draft. Wish the Vikings could do uh, Well, I guess we don't have to worry about that as long as uh, the young man is healthy. And Latavius Murray was also a pretty late pick. Uh, Fifth-round pick for Jordan Howard years ago. Remember, Stefan Diggs was a fifth-round pick, uh, obviously, a, a year before. So Jordan Howard still got quite a career ahead of him. Yeah, gosh, he's only been in the league three years. It feels like longer. That's weird, but... Uh, Amazing numbers, boy. 1,300 in his rookie year, and he missed a game. Can you believe that in 2016? They didn't even start him that year at the beginning. And 11-22 last year, and this year he's on course for another solid, solid season. Nine touchdowns last year, despite the lesser uh, yards per game and all that. But, uh, boy, yeah, he is definitely Mr. Consistent. You know the Bears are going to try to establish the run, particularly if it's windy and all that in Chicago. Uh, always a fear of turning the ball over. Khalil Mack is a huge threat, and the minute he got on this Bears team, it changed everything because remember how frustrating this team was to play against last year in the final game of the season when you thought, man, we just, they, I mean, you you want to put them away, and they just keep making big plays. They kept getting to Keenum, and they'd force turnovers, and they'd make a big play. They'd knock the ball away, and they'd bat it down, and they gave us a hell of a time last year in U.S. Bank Stadium when the Vikings were trying to finish 13-3. and 
and you figure, ah, this Bears team is two, three years away from being anything. No. And then, of course, once they got Khalil Mack, that jump-started them in the right direction. And the good news for the Bears, not for us, is that Khalil Mack is, well, uh, he's an extremely young player still. So it's not like they're getting a guy in his 10th year here in Khalil Mack. So clearly, clearly there's a... it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a, a tough go for the Vikings against this team, despite the most despite the recent success. I would not be surprised if uh, the little success, uh, the little winning streak against the Bears, comes to an end. Unfortunately, it's funny to think with how crazy the game today was, Buffalo Bills versus Bears and all that. Khalil Mack didn't even play in the game; he was out with an ankle. He has five sacks on the season. He's already in his fifth season. He was drafted the same year as Teddy Bridgewater. I still remember talking with Sebastian Balls. Now, now he now goes by Sebastian Barton about Khalil Mack and that. Uh, he was constantly raving about Khalil Mack and what an unbelievable addition he'd be to the Vikings, especially a team at the time was desperately trying to improve their defense. Uh, he had a defensive coach coming in, and Khalil Mack is like a guy to really start your team in the right direction defensively. Well... He ended up going to the Bears. Luckily, he didn't go to Green Bay, but he ended up going to Chicago. So take that as is. Oakland, we still don't know what the hell their plan was. Uh, 15 sacks by Khalil Mack in his second year. He didn't really blow up in his first year, even though he had moments. But ever since then, he's just been spectacular. Uh, gosh, is he he's, is he 27 already? Jeez, I guess so. But, uh, well, still got his whole career ahead of him for the most part, at least most of it. Hard to believe. Yeah, he was a little bit. He was one of those older rookies, I suppose. Because I know Bridgewater is born in 92. Khalil Mack, February 22nd, 91. So, uh, who cares, right? Whatever. As long as he's healthy enough, it'll last a while in this league still. He's going to be a menace for the Vikings for years. With the Chicago Bears, of course, he inked a long-term contract. Otherwise, the trade would have never happened in the first place, i got to think. Oh, boy. Well, i got to think he, he will be healthy two weeks from now. That's just my guess, and I'm going to do my prediction in, with the thought of him playing in the game. Well... What do the Bears do very often? They force turnovers, or they intimidate you into making mistakes, this and that. And if Khalil Mack's healthy, I think the Vikings' chances of winning in Soldier Field are very well. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tight window to. Th- it's going to be a tight window to get through. I think Kirk Cousins is going to be literally having to throw through some tight windows. Uh, Hakeem Nick's still a factor. You know, all over the years he's had some good games for the Bears for quite a long time. Um, Akeem Hicks, anyway, is what I'm trying to say. It just came out funny. Uh, Akamara's definitely been a factor for a while there at safety as well. He's he's got he's he's got it down. Um, one young player after another with a good talent, Kyle Fuller. Now you can drive you crazy. Uh, I don't. Yep, yeah, Roquan Smith. Gosh, that guy gets more tackles than Hines Pickles, and he had to today without Khalil Mack. But that, that's okay. Um, I hate this. I hate to say this, but I can. I'm not going to pick a Vikings win. Um, I want the Vikings to beat the Bears, and it would be an incredible statement win for the Vikings. It's going to have to be one of those amazing games by Kirk Cousins, and you're going to have to get surprisingly good pass protection to beat the Bears. Because if there's any type of serious pass rush on Kirk Cousins, the Bears win the game. The Bears win the game, and Jordan Howard is a solid running back who pushes the ball forward. Like once the Bears are ahead. The Vikings' run defense has struggled at times, particularly against good, solid running backs. You just, you know, the object is to move the ball forward, and that's what Jordan Howard does. I mean, ABC right there. 
And if the Bears build a sizable enough lead, I think the Bears can just run the clock, honest to God. And, of course, Mitchell Trubisky's the kind of guy that's hard to get to at times. He's got the mobility. He's got the youth. And most of all, Khalil Mack and the pass rush. If the Vikings' offensive line, which was much better today for the most part until other moments, they weren't good. They were good at some times and not good at others. They were better today than last week, okay, which is a given. But something's wrong in Detroit right now, so that's part of it. I don't trust this Vikings offensive line, and I don't trust Kirk Cousins protecting the football against the Chicago Bears. The one hope we have is that Kirk Cousins is lights out on the road, and he's not as good at home. The chances of the Vikings winning are, again, well, it all hinges on Kirk Cousins having one of those unbelievable road games once again, and that pass rush being stifled enough that Kirk Cousins can do what he needs to do. He's going to have to have a Philadelphia Eagles-type performance to beat the Chicago Bears. He's going to have to do it, and that's how the Vikings win the game. Otherwise, they don't win the game. At this moment, I think the Chicago Bears win 25-21 to over the Minnesota Vikings. A frustrating game. You'll see two turnovers by the Vikings in the game. I think the Vikings force one turnover on the Bears, but the turnover battle will be won by Chicago. You'll see an interception. You'll see a fumble. This and that. That's just my guess. I mean, that's just me prognosticating how I think this thing is going to go. It's not going to be a 41 type of game by the Bears. They're going to get 25. The Vikings only get 21. It'll be a good, fun, hard-fought battle, but the Bears will win it out at the end. Maybe it'll literally end with something stupid or put the Bears up by 10. The Vikings get get a shot. They get a touchdown late. Puts them within four. And then a strip sack or something like that to end the game. Some bullcrap or just a batted away ball and the clock runs out, that type of thing. But I think Chicago wins the game and and until otherwise, well, they're going to have to prove me wrong. They did it against the Eagles. They did it. And now it's another prove it type of game for me as a Minnesota Vikings fan and prognosticator coming into this one. Very, very long uh, second segment, but lots to talk about. It was very enjoyable. And, of course, kind of rehashing here and there, kind of getting caught up in the previous week in a sense. With that, there won't be as much catching up as I thought with the uh, fan interaction because there wasn't a whole lot of, well, current stuff. We'll go a little bit into the current, uh, into the in-game thread, I suppose, to, to add to the <laughs> content of the show. With that, we'll take a quick break and talk to you in fan interaction right after this. are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction. So I guess I will backtrack a little bit on the Twitter and we'll see what happens with Facebook as well. Because I know it was definitely quieter today and I was a bit quieter myself. Just kind of out of it. Really burnt out. Working my butt off yesterday and all bleeping week. It's cleanup season, but here I am doing the shows thankfully. Last week's excuse was the game time was a really difficult time and all that. So I apologize once again. I want to thank Vince Germano from Australia, Tenny Brown from New Zealand, and Malcolm McSween from California, and James Beck for retweeting the most recent show. Thank you. Well, this, yeah, this, it was the most recent show. The 48-year drought ends. There was no show last week, so thank you guys so much for retweeting that and pa- passing it on to your friends. Dave Hickey out of Iowa here on Twitter. So, at Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account, and again, this information will be in the show description. Dave Hickey was uh, replying to me saying... Uh, this was about the uh, uh, Adam Thielen when somebody in uh, who was it Detroit 
yep, uh, today Brown was showing a, a headline where they were saying, they, oh, yeah, the Jets' big challenge was little-known receiver is destroying the NFL. Dave Hickey was saying he might have been little-known three years ago. People on the East Coast don't look past Ohio for anything sports-related unless it's California. That's pretty crazy when you sit down and think about that. But, uh, yep, he is destroying the NFL. Ali Siddiqui was saying his Twitter worth is $2,361. Interesting. Hmm, I wonder what mine is. Probably like 5 bucks, right? Uh, well, there he is, Mad Martin. He was in the United States now from the northern from Northern Scotland. He is visiting the United States here, I, I believe, on business, but also on games as well. He says, "Who won in the in the dreaded in dreaded Eagles country? Showering or showing the colors, my brother. Yep, there's the purple. Let's beat those bleeping taints." And he's, he he was at the Reading Terminal Market. Oh, okay, cool and interesting. Philly cheese steak and all that good stuff going on. He had this big sandwich in front of him there. It looked like a Philly cheese steak. Literally the real thing in Philadelphia there. Ah, uh, yep. Madvarn says, so I arrive at my apartment in Philadelphia and no TV. And Game Pass Europe does not work in the USA. The joys. Just hope we win this. I hate the taints more than the slackers. Yep. And I understand you there. Especially right now because the taints are very dangerous. Even Rams fans hate the taints now. And, of course, the Taints are the Saints. Danae Brown is saying, I have a feeling all week our defense is going to struggle against the Saints. That opening drive didn't help out one bit. So far, so good, says Mad Martin, liking the balance. They, uh, they're always having to help. He's having to listen on the radio, but another missed field goal. Yep, he couldn't believe it. Mad Martin was very excited at the start of the game. And, again, that was after the, uh, I was saying, you cannot make it up. When uh, things were going oh so well. Looked like the Vikings were going to take a 10-point lead into the half. And Adam Thielen fumbles. Adam Thielen fumbles on his way down. He was getting tackled, and the ball was popped out. And, well, history changed forever. Kind of like the 2009 uh, Vikings and Saints game. Just time and time again, very depressing. Uh, I was saying you cannot make it up. Mad Martin said, no, you cannot. That totally changes the game. So bleeping, so bloody depressing. I so hate that team. And then he's like, and they score. And that's exactly what happened. Um, yep, and White at Disco Pizza Man was saying, yep, I was saying, I have to say, though, going to Treadwell on fourth down made no sense. White says, I'm so tired of Cousins going to him. I feel you there, White. I do. Yep, I completely feel you there. It was a terrible uh, decision. Yep, and then we all basically got more and more frustrated. And then the pick six, yep, that was, uh, apparently that was uh, more the- more uh, uh, Diggs's fault than uh, Cousins, but still, it's kind of like both of them. And Cousins just, I don't know. And there's a side of Cousins that bugs me. And there's a press conference. He basically basically always just kind of says, this is out of my control, that's out of my control. He doesn't seem to want to take any type of responsibility for anything, regardless if it is if it is his responsibility or not. Um, Mad Martin kind of summing things up here, saying the first 29 minutes were great. Turnovers and penalties were the difference, really. We probably could have dominated if we kept if we kept these down, oh yeah, and the O line was still horrible. Hill being the main reason again. Yep, and luckily today Hill saw very limited action because uh, well Riley Reef was back and things got better. <sighs> yep, and I had to retweet this or I mean I had to send this out. Yeah, I hate the He's So Wobby song. I think it's horrible on uh, KFAN. Well, Release Bonder now retweeted it, so I didn't see anything else after that. But man. Um, I am not a fan of that stupid song. There he is. There's Mad Martin. K-Fan Vikes. TCO Stadium. This looks uh, very familiar. 
Can't imagine where Matt Martin might be. Was hoping to meet up with you, my brother, but been a crazy two days in Minneapolis so far. Yeah, been real busy. Yeah, been, I've been insanely busy too, man. Um, yesterday was just hell. We got stuff done. So, yes, both of us busy as blank, blank, blank. And I understand. Um, I understand on your side. And, yeah, my side has been busy as F-bombs too. So, <laughs> it's not been easy. Oh, it's not. Oh, new notification underneath there. And Mad Martin says... For once, an almost easy victory. The D played well. The O did just did enough. Just you know, did it did just enough. Skull, brother, and skull right back at your Mad Martin. Thank you again, and that's awesome to see you uh, that you're able to uh, meet up here. And that was cool, able to get into the town. Understood. Understood that you've been very busy, and I have too. It's kind of one of those things. We're just all busy guys trying to make a living, aren't we? And it's just kind of what it is. Uh, retweet from, yep, he's saying is in the house, yep, and you are in the house, and that's awesome, you are in the house, yes, uh, that's awesome that you are here and enjoying things, and doesn't get much better than that, uh, beautiful, beautiful image there, there really isn't a bad image in U.S. Bank Stadium, is there, but unfortunately you didn't get to see the sun shining through, really, because there was no sun all day today, what miserable weather, so you got to experience that, Miserable cloudiness. I don't know if you get that a lot up there as well in uh, northern Scotland, but um, if you do, that's unfortunate. <sighs> yeah, I don't like I don't like it when it's rainy and cloudy all the time. Turning around here. Oh, Packers have tied things up. Wow, that's great. 10 to 10 because the Patriots uh, offense is stalling a bit. So that's the end of the Twitter account. Thanks again, Mad Martin, for making, being a wonderful part of this show. Uh, yep. Hashtag KFAN Vikes, <laughs> TCO Stadium. See, I was like, this all sounds familiar. Hmm, where could this be? So what's this Matt's one? Uh, Matt's Hamburgers, that is... Where is this one? Good image, though. I believe that's... Uh, yep, Vikings Museum. Oh, man, I got to get there. TCO Stadium, though. Yep, that's the... That's that's uh, Egan. Yep, that's to replace the, uh, the former Winter Park. That's the new uh, main headquarters for the Minnesota Vikings there. All right, so at at Purple Mafia Show, let's go get to the Twitter account. Um, what the? <laughs> this is funny. Somebody said something funny, but um, mm -hmm, let's look around here. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. And also, do join MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. Trevor Wickerman, kind enough to allow me to post links to the Purple Mafia show on that page. Also, good in game threads, good Vikings news, commentary, and comments throughout the week on there and throughout the offseason and all that. Do give that page a like and follow and enjoy it. Also, please like the Purple Mafia show page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia show, or look it up and look at the one that says page or company, not group company not group so try to bounce around a tiny bit here if humanly possible normally i have this ready to go sometimes i don't and i think this is it yep vikings versus lions ah okay well yep where was it okay uh i'm gonna look at the saints post game thread i might as well get into that real quick might as well backtrack because there isn't going to be a whole lot in the lions one as much today Kurt Back was saying, what can we say? O-line's still the biggest problem, I guess. Kurt Back is from White Bear Lake. Jeff Holmgren says, bring back Mike Tice. <laughs> Dave Hickey from Iowa says, well, I could have figured 
that would be the outcome. It seems like every year a team loses a heartbreaker late in the year or playoffs, and then follow the following year the other team gets the victory. It happened with us and the Eagles, and now the Saints do it to us. Yep, exactly. This seems to apply to everyone but the Patriots. They just keep winning basically everything. Mark Carlson, also from Iowa, of course, says the most incredible letdown. We have the tools, we have the coaches, we have the big play capability, but we can't seem to make this engine fire on all cylinders. Exactly. The loud backfire in the second half tells the story, and I do think Dave Hickey, Matt Martin, and Mark Carlson deserve a star of some sorts on this. Uh, on the uh, Saints, we'll just say it's the Saints episode, so we'll have two groups of stars here. Mark Carlson, nope, let's go to Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi. He says, I'm not really mad for some reason. We held Drew... Yep, this is a huge take. Huge, and it's very true. Uh, this this is something that you felt good about, and this is what kind of... Uh, it 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 rubbed off in today's game in a really positive way. I'm not really mad for some reason. We held Drew to 220 passing yards. And do you realize it was like five yards uh, an attempt, by the way, with Drew Brees? I mean, you'd think we blew them out, right? And the number one offense of 270 yards with all the starters missing on defense. Yeah, there was no Xavier Rhodes. There was no this guy. There was no Linvald Joseph. I mean, mm, it's pretty wild. Tony Coleman out of, uh, out of Australia, out of South Dakota, says, In spite of everything, I'm still really happy for Thielen and his eight straight 100-yarders. He's tied the record, and now next week he needs to shatter it. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Mm. Justin Mayer Henry out of Colorado says, Amazing record. Shame this team is so addicted to falling short and being a big disappointment. And nice graphic there with Adam Thielen pulling 100 out of one of those, uh, I forget what they call those, where it's a little crane, their little crane game where you can pick up stuffed animals or whatever, or prizes. Maybe a Nintendo game back in the old days. Dave Hickey says, Another game we blew. I'm going to give Cousins the Ponder Award. Yep, with a stupid disappointing, and the targeting award goes to Thielen for his NFL record eight consecutive touchdowns. Yep, I can kind of concur with that, and, I, and Cousins has got the, uh, I can concur with that. Cousins got the Ponder Award this week, too. Yep, well-deserved, too, unfortunately. I'll give Diggs one of the, one of the Joey's gold-plated silver stars, even though two of them made the most crucial mistakes of the game tonight that cost us in the end. However, I'm sure we would have found another way to bleep it up. That's just what we do. And there were some spectacular plays with Thielen and Diggs in that game. And there was some trickery going on with Sean Payton and the Saints and Alvin Kamara. And God, he's impossible to deal with. And the Rams even found out about that today. Gerald Sring out of Nebraska says, Thielen, friend, talking to award. The guy rarely fumbles, and I'm just giving him a pass for the behind-the-helmet catch. Another 100-yard game. Skull, Ponder Award to Zimmer, who apparently forgot he was playing Drew Brees tonight. Three major blunders throwing the towel in the late in the first half. Let's go for it on fourth down. Yep, and give the ball to Drew Brees in midfield. That was very strange. I totally don't understand the onside kick with four minutes and 25 seconds to go. Urban legend kick return game. Hello, Minnesota. We don't have one. Why do we keep trying to run the ball out? Special teams is absolutely horrid this year. Yuck. And finally, I didn't even mention in the first segment because of all the other stuff I got to, Marcus Sherrill's had a little, uh, he broke loose for a little bit this this week, finally, for the first time in a long time. Brent Jacobson, locally in the Twin Cities, says, I'm going to take the class at full approach and say we limited one of the best offenses in the league to their worst performance of the season, and we put up a good amount of yardage against a pretty good defense. I'd like to see if we could shore up the offensive line and or secondary before Wednesday's trade deadline. And, of course, we didn't do jack squats. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix wouldn't look too bad with a, in purple woody. Brett McCarthy from South Dakota says, if you're going to be a championship caliber team, you can 
you can't make mistakes. Granted, and granted the injury bug on the offensive line doesn't help things either. The mistakes cost the game. It was nice to see Griffin back out there, though. Play calling was terrible in the second half. Don't like the OC. Pass, pass, and with the running plays. We got the run game. Should be dominating. Yep, um, we should have gotten some running game in there. But, of course, when sometimes when you're playing from behind, though, you have to be careful with the clock, I suppose. Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado says... The, the game to me changed dramatically with the Thielen fumble. Granted, that... If that if it was very unlike him, it was still a huge mistake. Ball security is number one priority when running the ball. He got his hundred to keep the streak going, but can't give the yeah, can't give the target an award with such a big mistake at a key point in the game. Diggs stopping on his route that led to the pick six was also unacceptable. You can't do that to your quarterback. Both of them plays killed any momentum we had. Take that fourteen off the board, and we win the game against one of the hottest teams right now. Defense played a really good game once they got the early game jitters out. That first drive was the only touchdown they gave up. I'm giving them a little bit of a pass on the short field after fumble. Oh, yeah, exactly. Out of the 15-yard yep, treadwell penalty where he threw the freaking helmet. Targeting into Hitman and pondered a treadwell. Those are really good choices, Josh. You deserve a star for the uh, Saints week. Malcolm McSween. What what else was it? Well, let's get uh Gerald String was saying really good takes. Yep, I I agree with uh, with that. Josh Reinhardt deserves a star for the show. Drew Bunting jumps in and says, um, Tarkington. Oh, did he put Tarkington? Huh? Hmm. Oh yeah, it is Tarkington, not Tarkington. I I gotcha. Drew Bunting having a little fun there. He is from Northern California, unlike Malcolm was from a bit south. There. He's not Southern Cal like Los Angeles or San Diego, but, uh, you know, kind of further south than, uh, you know, the average part of the, the state, we'll say. Malcolm says, we gave that one away. Let's go win three division games in a row. We'll we'll be all right then, and that would be so huge. Yep, he was saying we gave that one away. Yep, we gave it away. Uh, I was saying absolutely that would really make a difference. Why is my Brave the Wild logo showing up? But that, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um... So for the Saints week, the Gold Star, boy, it's got to go to Josh Mayer Henry. That was spectacular, and he was really active during the game as well. Josh Mayer Henry gets the Gold Star for the Saints week. See, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you guys your just due because you put in the effort. You deserve to get recognized. Mad Martin and Mark Carlson are gonna get the silver. Dave Hickey and Brett McCarthy will ring in the bronze stars for the Saints week. So there it is. Um, nice catch up there. Josh Muir Henry, well-deserved gold star, but of course a lot of you guys deserve gold stars as well. Awesome. I was saying, uh, barring a rainy day or unseen thing, it's highly unlikely there will be a show this week. I'm sorry, but the schedule's just not working out at this moment, and that's how it goes sometimes at the those Sunday games. It sucks. Because, see, Thursday, it's doable because, well, there's no game on Sunday, right? So I can use Sunday to record the show. This time around, you wait the whole day on Sunday, and now there's the game, and there's no, there's no time to record a show after that. It's just, I just can't do it, because my wife is sleeping by then, and heck, I can't stay up that late either, because I have to get up early. Just not as early as her. That's the difference. It's, uh, you know, it just doesn't add up. That's all. I'm, You know, it is what it is. Let's keep moving. Clock's a ticking here. Let's see what people have to say. Kurt Back says, okay, Joey, we will look forward to your future progress uh, podcast. Thank you very much. Gerald Sring says, Guessing Cruel Mafia didn't give you an $84 million contract extension to do the podcast. I wish it did, man. 
$84 a show. $84. Dollars a show would be really nice, actually. That would be helpful. If anybody want to chip in and help me with that, that would be uh, beyond nice. Eight, just 84 bucks bucks per show. Per show. That, that, that's that's uh, something I would not, I would be holding my hand out. Please, please do. Um, we appreciate them when it works out for you. Have a great week. And, and there was a time that I, this might have been a streak that I've kept going, that I'd kept going in, since uh, 2015 when I missed the first two weeks of the season, if I remember correctly, because I was moving and all that. It was a very difficult situation, actually. And my wife was sick and for a little while she had to be in the hospital. It was a very difficult situation going on. It was, yeah, it was weird. Uh, pod, podcasting got shut down from like, July, I think, until like halfway through September. It was tough. It was weird. Um, I can't remember if I missed the first two games or the first game, but I missed the entire preseason, though. I remember that. There was no season preview or anything. Let's move on. Tony Coleman says, don't sweat it, Joey. Life comes first. And yes, it does. Leland out of Iowa says, no worries, good sir. Maybe the next podcast is going to be a little longer. Wink, wink. And I think it will be. I was thinking about that post the whole time I started the show. I was like, yeah, and I think it is going to be now because I'm catching up a little bit. So, Leland, you called it there. <laughs> Dave Hickey says, everybody has something, has something, be it a job, family, or anything. To keep them busy, a lot of times they barely find time to comment. Yep, you find something to keep people busy. Yes, I got you. I'm sorry, I'm reading that wrong. And you, my good man, are not only responding, but checking on stats, history of the league, of the rest of the league and all that, and the rest of the league. You do a stellar job. You keep putting it out there, and I'm sure the Mafia faithful will anxiously be waiting to hear you again. And thank you so much, Dave. And yes, I love looking on history and all that. And that's what I was digging with the uh, Chicago Bears. I mean, history is kind of my thing. And I think you guys kind of noticed that. Back when I did that Dennis Green episode years ago, and Dennis, you know, Dennis Green uh, unfortunately passed away untimely there, about 67, if I remember correctly. I just went on and on and on, didn't I? And I can't help it sometimes. I, I love history. And now I have this uh, football database uh, section of the show is something I'm enjoying very much, actually. Talking about the Jets and how the Vikings had beaten them only two times since they started playing each other in 1970. It's a pretty remarkable piece of history, and the fact the Vikings beat them for only the third time and the very first time ever in that building, I mean, that was something I enjoyed. Mark Carlson says, no problem, Joey Wyden, no problem, and thank you again. So, the son of former Bills standout might get a shot at NFL glory with the Vikings, and yes, he uh, did debut today, and he did all right. A couple catches for 23 yards, including a key first down early in the game that helped set up a Vikings score. Gerald String's comment was, hope so. I hope so, pardon me. And that's the comments in that section. I'm going to look at the, well, let's see. How many wound up in the post-game thread here? Mm-hmm. Let's see, how quiet was it? Oh, yeah, and Bill Brown passed away. We'll talk about him in a second. Stacking machine, yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that really was something. So I'll dig a little bit in the in-game thread. but I usually do anyway. Because I know some of it was near the end there. Uh, yep, Kurt was saying, oh, the fumble wasn't good. Josh Mayer Henry thought it was in there before he fumbled. Yep, that was, uh, oh, that's way early. Well, let's go forward. That was way back at the beginning of the game. I don't want to go that far. Yep. There was some weird stuff. Yep, that stupid, like, getting cute play. Yep, that was really frustrating. Josh Mayer Henry was saying, yep, wrong time of the game to get cute. Just run the ball down the middle. That would have been smart because you're trying to burn the clock. 
Mm, I was saying every single week. And Dave Hickey says, that's exactly what I said. No more pitches and passes behind the line. And that's what they keep screwing around. Brent McCarthy says, really not liking our OC play calling. And it's been frustrating. The defense made it again. Yep, there was a fake punt today as well. But it was so, you know, irrelevant to the mainframe of the game that it didn't really bother me that much. In a normal game, it would freak you out, though. Dave Hickey said, freaking Cook, he should not be playing in this game. If he gets hurt a week before the bye, and you can't give Stafford more chances. Hunter had that big thing. He nailed the Tarkington. And I put Tarkington, too. Ah, stupid, stupid, stupid. It's Tarkenton, man. (laughs) Yep, well, I was using voice chat, so I was being, yeah. It's Tarkenton. Thank you very much. It's Tarkenton. There is no Tarkington. Tarkenton. Tarkenton. Thank you. Josh Meyer Henry says, I think that seals it for Hunter. Yep, that's when he got that third sack. Tony was saying the drive was a roller coaster of emotions. Josh Meyer Henry says, so wish they would stay aggressive all game and stop giving up the late drives and scores. And luckily, they didn't give up too much, but in other games, they did. Hunter leads the way. He's a beast, says Brett, Mer- uh, Brett McCarthy. Josh Mayer Henry says Hunter with 3.5 of them. Yep, 3.5 of them. The dude was in, on a mission today. And Brett McCarthy says that Hunter is the NFL sack leader. Yes, he is. Tony Coleman wraps up this section with uh, Adam had only 22 yards bummer, but solid, de- decisive win overall, and it really was something. I was really late in posting, and I apologize to everybody, and I guess they just, uh, everybody kind of moved on with their evening, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I'm sorry, guys, that I did that, and there won't be as many comments because of that, the post-game thread. But you guys basically made your post-game thoughts there, in a sense. So, yep, there's the uh, stat line for the game back in October 25th, 1993. In Chicago, the Vikings won the game 19-12. to Jim McMahon versus Jim Harbaugh, I remember that a bit. Um, I was saying how the record was passed, and it makes it 10. And it is and it is interesting and fitting that the Vikings will be playing the Bears next. 10 sacks for the Vikings, that is a... Uh, Absolute, uh, that is a team record for the Minnesota Vikings. Former Viking fullback Bill Brown, going way back to 1961. And, you know, when Tarkington was a rookie and Bill Brown was, you know, the Vikings were just getting started. He was the first real running back for the Vikings back in the day. He was a fullback, but he was also a pretty big factor. Um, He passed away this weekend. He passed away today, actually, November the 4th. He died at 80 years of age. Um... 1961, number 30, Bill Brown, Minnesota Vikings. He was one of the first real names on the Minnesota Vikings going all the way back to the very beginning with those original uniforms. 80 years of age. Uh, his brain w- will be donated for a CTE study. So thank you, Bill Brown, for your donation. And thank you for the the memories. And the, for those of us that obviously weren't around that far back, um, we thank you very much for... Uh, your contribution to this team and loyalty to the team over many, many, many decades. Very cool. And uh, giving us a part of history that we can study and look at, uh, talk to, talk to with friends and heck, bring it up on a show like this. Uh, He's one of those kind of guys I wish I brought on this show. That would have been awesome. I I just, I, (laughs) I wish my life wasn't so dang busy and I could make more time to bring some of the old Viking legends on this show, if humanly possible, if their if their if their time, their schedule was 
was made available to this show. It'd be quite an honor to have somebody like that on, and I, I wish I did. Um, but it's much more about him, and I appreciate you, Bill Brown, for uh, what you mean to the Minnesota Vikings history, and again, your loyalty to this franchise. So we will now give Bill Brown a moment of silence. Thank you again very much. And again, I didn't mean to make it about me or the show. It's just more of what an honor it would be to hear somebody like that, hear from him, hear from hear his perspective, because I want you to hear from him. It would be amazing, somebody like that on this show. Uh, it's not about the show being, oh, look at this. Now we got this guy on. Everybody's got to listen. We need 10,000 hits here, here and there. No, it wouldn't be about that. It would be about being able to talk about history with the real person, the real person. He, he gets to talk about his memories from back then, and you guys get to enjoy it, and it'll always be there for you in the future. That's what matters most. In a lot of ways, that's what podcasting is all about. It it really is, so that's uh, that's why I mentioned that. Vikings versus Lions postgame thread. Well, Jeff Froyland, thank you very much. He says, I jinxed Thielen's speak by buying my first offensive jersey. So you usually get defensive guys? What type of uh, defensive players? Yep, he was wearing his Winfield jersey. When he blew the horn, that felt great. I'll stick with the defense. I'll stick with defense from now on. And the Vikings defense showed up today, that's for sure. What a dominant win, though, Skull. And I couldn't agree more. And don't worry about the jinxing. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Thielen wasn't perfectly healthy today from what they're saying. I don't know. Welcome to the NFL, I guess. You know, people get hurt or a little bit. They're still able to play, but they're bugged. And, of course, the Detroit Lions, there's a factor there. I mean... Whose guy was it that had the NFL record that Adam Thielen tied last week? It was their guy. So there was a little extra incentive there. Some of them might have played with him, even though it's years ago now. But still, some of them might have played with the guy. And I don't know, he's an integral part of Detroit Lions history and a very good chance he will be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Detroit Lions don't have a ton of those guys, but they have some. Uh, Chris Spielman had a hell of a career, and he was fun to listen to today. A bit better than the last time these these guys were on a few weeks back. Uh, but they were okay. I never really had a huge problem with them. Mark from Iowa says, I love that awesome sacking machine. And it really was something else, wasn't it, my friend? So with that, that concludes the uh, Fan Interaction segment. The stars for this episode, it's so quiet. I mean, Brett McCarthy has got to get the gold. I got to think. Uh, some of the kind comments, though, you guys, like Dave Hickey. You got to get a silver. Um, you guys are great. Brett McCarthy is getting the uh, the gold for this episode. Lots of awesome commentary on there. Great back and forth. Josh Meir Henry should get the uh, the bronze, and Mark Carlson will share it as well. Thank you guys for your uh, interaction on here. I can't thank you enough for uh, being a part of things. Jeff Froyland, you know what? You deserve a star too. I'm going to give you a silver. What do you think of that for uh, posting that page on there? You know, for at least. At least getting things in this poor post-game thread. It's so damn lonely. Uh, Jeff Froyland, you deserve a silver star for that. Thank you again very much. And, of course, Mad Martin deserves a star every week. He's like a purple star because he's just a legend. And being a part of things and taking the pictures and including Purple Mafia's show with his, his trip here. And I believe it's business-related, but there's some pleasure-related as well because of, well, where, where he was today. So it's pretty damn awesome. Um, thank you, Mad Martin. It's like a purple star for what you've been for this uh, show for so long. And Urban Legend for today is just the ongoing stupid play calling, I guess. And I, I don't know if I mentioned that in the first segment. I gave mostly a ponder. The Urban Legend is the weird pitch play calling when you know it doesn't work and disasters happen. 
cut it out. I love John D. Filippo. I think he's a creative offensive mind who deserves to be a head coach one day. But if he keeps doing stuff like that, he's going to have a hell of a time becoming a head coach. Uh, if it helps costing, if it helps cost us games, so hopefully he can cut that crap out and uh, keep things a little more uh, safe. That'd be great. With that, let's hope and pray for some drier weather. We had some dry weather. It was extremely efficient. We were able to get through the hardest lawn ever yesterday, basically. My brother was saying how if it was even a little bit wet, that lawn would be impossible. And what happened, basically from about 6, 7 o'clock in this area up until right now, like 24 hours later or more, more, much more than 24 hours now, it's been nothing but wet. So pray to God for some drier weather. Please pray for me out there. I have to have some drier weather to make the job a little bit easier. That'd be nice. Last year we went through utter hell with that. So with that, uh, whatever. Hope you guys enjoy your week and have a fun time. And uh, unfortunately it's going to get a little bit colder around here now. It's, we're talking temperatures in the 30s, not 40s. So so please stay warm out there. Stay safe. Hope you had a safe uh, and enjoyable Halloween out there. As now we're literally heading into the pre-Christmas season is basically what it is. It's the month of Thanksgiving and all that. and But, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of Thanksgiving decorations except for some turkeys and pilgrims and more pumpkins, I suppose. Some leftover pumpkins from Halloween. <laughs> yep. Uh, but uh, now we're heading into, well, and, of course, Veterans Day coming up on Sunday. We'll talk about that, uh, or we did anyway. We may talk about that on the next show two weeks from now. Um, but um, with that... Again, just hoping you have a nice, safe weekend and safe week in your workplace at Manmar. And thanks again for including us with your very, very busy time out there and showing up on Twitter and posting what you did. It's always so welcome and so so wanted on this show. So thank you very much. Uh, Mark Carlson, can't thank you enough for uh, being so loyal to the show and to your, your, your dedication and commitment to this country uh, and your service to this country as well, along with others out there that might be veterans that are listening to this show that maybe I know you, but you never mentioned that you were, or I never have met you on Twitter or Facebook and you are a veteran and you served in one of the wars recently or semi-recently. I can't thank you enough for uh, what you brought to this country. So again, I salute you right here and right now. God bless you and we will talk to you in two weeks, I guess. So take care and enjoy this slightly longer episode. Hope you did. Well, hopefully I can squeeze in a Timberwolves explosion to Brave the Wild, but who knows? That might drag well into frickin' the end of the month. But until then, whatever it is, take care. <laughs>